Anything you want to talk about uh, on the building? <clears throat> talking about that year when Bleds brought the record and how he felt. Yeah, I was just really interested in that captaincy point, actually. Gary, I don't know how you felt about captaincy as you were developing as a player, but I have this theory that perhaps a lesser light in a cricket team would make a better captain because they've got more time to think about everybody else. I don't know what if you've got any thoughts on that. I'm not saying that you were a lesser light, particularly, but compared with somebody like Blaise or even Jez. No, you, 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 you'd be true if you were if you were saying that anyway, Joe. But um, no, I think yeah, I think it's a valid point because I mean I think we touched on it. I can't remember his podcast about uh, about demoting yourself and, and things like that. Exactly what Blaise was saying there, and. Uh, and, and, and you can look around teams in the Lancashire League and there's been there's been some successful teams where the best player in the side or the captain, you know, was one who was scoring five, six, seven hundred runs or taking 40 wickets, you know, and, and genuinely would have been in in that side quite naturally anyway. I, th- I think it's it's interesting there because I think you can get some good captains who contribute a lot um, and, and don't necessarily put themselves under a de- great deal of pressure to be... The, the main star. I mean, a lot through the through the nineties when I was playing uh, first team cricket, there was so much pressure on Blaise to get runs. You know, it, it, it was it was phenomenal. You know, one of my questions, you know, cut this in whenever, but uh, one of my questions was going to be at what point did Blaise transition from feeling that pressure because he must have been there week in week out of getting getting to score the runs. And even then, some people were talking about, oh, do you fancy being captain when it was chopping and changing a couple of times? Um, to, to the point where you become, you know, I can I can play my game because I've got three or four other quality batsmen in the team who, who can contribute as well. But on the captaincy from Joe, Joe, I think we agreed the other night. You know, absolutely same thought thought process there. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It's difficult, and you know, people from the outside looking in might look at you know that period where there was various captains coming and out, and Blaise was you know head and shoulders above everyone else. You know, I would, for those people who, who say that or maybe want to ask a question around it, where would we have been if we'd have lost 20% of Blazers' runs as a result of him being captain? That's that's what's got to be to be, be thought about. And if it's not the right thing to do, then it, it, it's not the right thing to do. So, no, I really appreciate, appreciate your honesty there, Chris, around that. And I didn't realise that it was university because you'd made a few sandwiches that... Uh, Cakes as well. Cakes as well. Cakes as well. You had to buy some uh, some scones or something. Joe Martin, we've got five minutes left. Anything before we go on to uh, the next topic? Um, no, I don't think so. The only point I was going to make was that I mean, Blaise, you captained a few games later, maybe late two thousands, two thousand eight, two thousand and ten. I can and I can remember you batting yourself at eleven. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I remember that. You were you were scoring you were scoring six seven hundred runs a year you know at that at that stage and one game you batted yourself at eleven. 
I, well, I've been I've been Jez's vice captain for maybe one of Jez's years, and I was I think the year I did that one, I was Charlie's vice captain. You know, luckily, while whilst Jez and Charlie were captain, when I was their vice captain, they didn't have to do it very much. That day at Bake Up, we <laughs> we got a scratch pro whose whose numbers looked good, and he wasn't very good, was he, Joe? Really? I can remember just thinking it's the end of the season. Charlie had cried off. Quite late. I think he was working. <clears throat> uh, we had a lot of young lads who hadn't had a go, you know, through that year. So I just thought, let's give them a go. Let's, you know, bat them up, bat them up the order. And as sometimes happens, they didn't do very well. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up, rather than being unknown at the bottom, as as it was, I had to actually go out of bat. That was that was just end of season itis, I think, more than anything else. Yeah, more. yeah. I mean, a couple of things in there was the the pro was Ian Daniel. <laughs> well, bold Ian. Well, bold Ian. Um, <laughs> and um, Tiffer ended up keeping wicket. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Shambles. Shambles. <laughs> he came into the dressing room at the end of the game, Jez, and said, and I won't do his accent, but he said. Thank you very much, lads. It was a Sri Lankan called Ian Daniel. He said, "Thank you very much, lads. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed today. You're a great set of lads. And if you ever want me to do it again, I'd, I'd love to." <laughs> nope. You got a duck and none for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, Chris, we've uh, we've chatted a little bit about the type of player you were in your early years, and then we will get to the 1990 season when you're still only. 23 at that time and and I do remember you know I played quite a bit in that season and you know the, the weather was you know was was half decent and our previous record at the club was from Stephen G I can't remember what year it was mid 70s I would imagine and he got 804 and and that year Chris you got 857 runs you know which is a phenomenal achievement from a, an amateur of that age playing cricket, you know, at Low House, and I know we keep going on about it, but it's a fact, you know, the pictures weren't great. Um, you got runs at home and you got them away from home. Just give us an insight into that season, how it started, what good memories you've got, what stories you've got around that season, if you don't mind. You know, I'd had a, I'd had a few 50s before that in the, in, the first, in the first team. I don't know, maybe three or four, but they'd only just... They'd only just been 50s, 51, 52, etc. They weren't, uh, they weren't big scores. It, it seemed difficult in, in that age. People weren't scoring hundreds, you know, every every other game. You know, amateurs weren't getting hundreds quite quite as much. Although they did that season, there were quite a few decent amateur scores that that season. I just remember the second game of the season getting 90 at Enfield. It was one of those days where I thought I could actually get a first team hundred. I'd I'd I got to maybe eighty five with like a an over to go and thought I, I was still in with a chance of getting a hundred. They had a sort of like an old gnarled seamer called Bramwell, John Bramwell. He bowled the last over, needed fifteen for a century, and I, I, I think I hit the first ball for four. So I thought, oh, I'm in with a chance here. The second ball, he sort of like just short of a length ball. I thought I can pull this over a pavilion. I went I went to pull it and it stuck in the stuck in the mud and bounced and jumped up and it hit me on this I'd gone through it that uh, that early. 
it hit me on the side of the jaw. And I, uh, I don't think I was concussed, but I couldn't speak afterwards, and I, could, I, I felt a bit, felt a bit dodgy. And I got, I got a single off the next ball, and then didn't face any more balls. You know, I'm quite happy not to face any because I didn't really know what was going on. So I ended up with 90 not out, and I thought 30 in the first game, 90 in the second. It's a good, good start, and you know, progressively I, I did all right. Big score towards the middle of the season, I got couple of 80s and things started going up and started then getting somewhere near a record I knew nothing about. I'd never even never even looked at Lawrence's amateur batting record. Never even never even thought that anybody had anybody get anywhere near 800 runs for Lawrence because that never happened. Danny Nigi getting 500 a season seemed like once in a blue moon although it, it was more. As it got later on in that season I, I got closer and closer to it and I probably was within about 50 or 60 of the record with about four games to go, something like that. We played Aslinden away. That was Matt's debut when we got skittled for 50. So I didn't get many that day, you know, maybe nine, something like that. Then we played Bake Up and I got, I got Roger Harper got me out for about three. From needing 60 or four games, I needed you know, virtually the same off two games. And I, and I must have got maybe 20 the, the game before that. So I still needed 30 or so to break, break the record the last game of the season. And your Matt said to me, Bless, it was middle, it was football season then as well, because, you know, we'd started playing football on Saturdays. And he said, right, we're not staying in this. We're not staying in. There's no way we are staying in Saturday night. We're playing football. Then we're out in town, all right? You've stayed in the last three weekends. You're not staying in. So we had a few pints at Belvedere. As per usual, you were in two rounds. I was in one. You probably went home. <laughs> and Matt dragged me into town. About 10 o'clock, we were falling over outside the Swan and thought, I've got to go home, Matt. I said, I won't be able to see, let alone play cricket, if we, if we, go, if we carry on any, any longer. So I went home. Game day, arrived, you know, sort of like almost give it up really because I was wanted to do it. But if you start thinking, oh, I've got half a chance of getting it today, you might stumble over anyway. So I just sort of cleared it from my mind. We batted, we batted first. Colin Miller needed about three wickets to get his 100 wicket to do the double. And this, you're going to ask me about this later on, about Stanley and his running. That was Delroy's last game. He had 800 runs. Delroy Morgan, Stan Eaton go out to bat. Last game of the season, Delroy Morgan run out none. <laughs> that, that, yet, yet another podcast and yet another he to run out none incident. I mean, it's not, it cannot be coincidence. It simply cannot be coincidence. Stan, if you're listening, what, what are you playing at? Just to jump to Stan's defence. Um, no, he al- no, he no, always- no, no, stand defence, Joe. Or, I was going to say, he always says it was up to the other players to learn to how Stan ran, <laughs> as opposed to Stan learning how they ran. Oh, the, pro, the pro's got 800 runs, last game of the season, before hopefully going to open the test batting for the West Indies, and Heaton's run him out for none. <laughs> that is- so I walk-, <laughs> I walk out to bat, Heaton's out for none. So, 
we might have got a few extras or not, but we're two down, you yeah. know, for, for zip. Miller, Miller, I was talking to Joe about this earlier. Miller was bowling sort of away swingers in those in those days. He did, he got in the test team as a as a funky off spinner with dodgy hair, but he was bowling swingers. He bowled sort of like decent pace and big outies and you know odd one that odd one that came back in. And our our great friend is at first slip, uh, Brian Payne. Brian Payne, yeah. And his son's at second slip, playing one of his first, you know, probably not his first game in this in the the first thing, yeah. one of his first games. I mean, had a stellar sort of junior <coughs> career and played for England's schoolboys. He was at second slip, and I was about two, and I I flashed at one off uh, Miller, and Andy dropped it. He spilled it. It was a difficult enough catch, but he. He dropped it at second slip. So I was on about five or six of them. And sort of like after that, I just forgot all about it. You know, I got a bit of a reprieve. And I got to 30 quite easily after that. Brought the record to get to 30. And then I got 83, something like that, yep. to, to, finish it, to finish it off, to, you know, put the record a little bit further forward. By that time, you'd heard about the record and, you know, it was a... It was a great sort of great occasion to do, great little achievement to have, and you know, really pleased with myself. Obviously, the day went downhill from there. They knocked it off, probably with about five or ten overs to to spare. A lot, a lot more. I ended up a lot more. Colin yeah. Miller just kept whacking it out of out of uh, out of the park. Would he would he probably eat it even further? So we you know we walked off. I brought the record. We got beat again. Standard run out. Another probe and none. You know, so nothing much changed really. And Blaise, just to add, I think there's a there's a there's a good point in there because um, we were. I, I played that game and it was great to to witness it, Blaise. It was a fantastic knock. I think, but I were out middle order and we were thirty odd down. I think when when I and that was five down. Yeah. And, you, and, and and you were still a long long way from any record. And I think then. <laughs> I think I think there were probably only a couple of other people put doubles on, but I think it was Jez. I think you and Jez put a like best part of hundred on. I think that, and you got most of them. And I think that that's where you know. So a bit a bit of a nod to Jez there, just to sort yeah. of see your own elder statesman. Jez got seventeen. Go back to Jez. Underrated, underrated batsman, Jez. Definitely underrated batsman. However, his captaincy at Rottenstall did sometimes leave a bit to be desired. <laughs> as, oh. as, as one. One game, one game when we went over to Rottenstall, we always had a good drink after the game at Rottenstall. And one day we went across and it had rained a bit. You know, it probably, you know, it probably had wet the the cobbles on the uh, on the banking. And they were probably quite slippy going down the banking. And uh, Jez got there, and their captain either was was Payne or he was it. The you know Payne was in the captain's ear saying. Ah, it's not fitness, Jez, is it not fitness? We can get it bar for a quarter past one if we uh, call game off. Jez calls the game off at quarter past one. At half past two, we're sat outside their bar in shorts and T-shirts <laughs> in <it> cracking flags. <laughs> Jez, will Jez will deny that, um, but that is, that is the truth. It was a lot wetter than it, than it seemed. Bless all I would say is it was Bob, Bob Holmes there, Captain. Yeah, oh, even, even more <laughs> chance of that. Um, 
just looking at that scorecard, I do remember that game, and it was um, Miller was just it, it, it were bowling, you know, it were like swinging it around corners. And me and you put ninety odd on. I didn't <laughs> batted for a while together, but we put. Yeah. So there's a lot to come out of that game. You know, you've got the record, which is obviously the pinnacle, and that that is so important for the club. Um, you know, Gary's got a duck middle order. Tariq <laughs> uh, Sadiq's playing for them, Blaise. The lad who yes. played for them, um, yeah. yeah. You know, we had a couple of run-ins there. Well, you did in in your role as a as a as yes, a exactly. um, <laughs> You know, I- Iggy's playing. As Stan uh, used to say. Yeah. Stan used to say, "There's no, there's no better than a shit fast bowler." That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, and you know, before Joe Martin brings it up, he's you know he's obviously giving me a bit of praise there, getting a ninety up partnership. I've gone for over six and over, <laughs> um, a little bit over. But look at Marcus G, two overs, gone for twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah. I think you, I think you'll see a footnote on the scorecard saying. That was Marcus G's oh, last game. <laughs> so we've started off with it's a pinnacle. Blaise has got the record. He's done so well. The night before, he's out with my youngest brother who won't go home. He's causing a right noose of himself. MD Hope, not out two, back to 11 and don't bowl. <laughs> so there we go. That's, that's fantastic, that Chris. And that... You know, that is, it has stood for a long time now. Are you a little bit surprised it hasn't been broken? I, I've, said, I've, said, I've said in the past that I, th- I thought, you know, somebody like Vichel probably would have broke it had he stayed for any length of time. Hassan, could, you know, if Hassan had a couple of good seasons, you know, good a good sort of you know, summer, I think Hassan could have broken it. You know, I thought Will might, when Will came, I was surprised. You know, Will did okay when he came in 2008, but I thought he might have. You know, Johnny, when he got to 2015, I thought if Johnny kicked on, he would he would get it. But obviously, has gone away pro-in and, and paid amateur in uh, and then has come back to us. So, I think Johnny's got a fair chance. I thought Ben might have when he started off that, that season with 170. I thought that... Yeah. People that could have been a year when it went. Yeah, I am surprised that it hasn't gone because you know by today's standards, it's not. I don't think it's a massive, massive score. You know, it, it's big enough. Yeah, but I don't think it's it's massive. No, I agree. You know, it is. And again, I don't want to sound old and and back in our day. You know, but it, it, probably seven hundred. You know. Now would be equivalent to eight five seven then. But uh, what's your thoughts, Joe Martin, about the players we've got and you know Blazer's achievement there? Um, I, w- I completely agree with everything that Blazer said um, in terms of which players could could go on and, and and break his record. I do think it'd be extremely difficult now for two reasons. We play fewer games. We only play twenty two games, and there are no replay dates either. So. You know the games and, are going to get called off, and and the the standard of the league is better because well while whilst we're in the top division the standard of the league is stronger. Yeah, yeah the sta- absolutely. The standard for the last uh, is it two years, Joe? Uh, we played, mm, no, we only we played, played split one. Played split one, haven't we? The standard last year, the standard of the teams we played against last year, certainly for the first 
three quarters of the season was was right up there. I think, you know, maybe the pros aren't as uh, titled as they used to be or as much of a greater reputation as they used to be years ago. But I think the amateur the amateur sides that we played against for the first three quarters of the season last year were as tough a cricket as as I've I've seen played in the Lancashire League. Again, towards the end of the season when teams are getting close to relegation and, you know, things are going a bit uh, skew whiff that, you know, some sides sort of gave up or didn't perform as well as they perhaps would have done at the beginning of the season. But I thought, you know, the standard last year was was fantastic and you know it might be a little bit more difficult to to break that record now so, sorry I, I wasn't getting into the age-old debate of what is it better now or is it worse now I, I just meant in terms of because of the split yeah. you're not batting against yeah. the worst team oh, in yeah. that particular league at that particular time yeah. as you would have done back in 90 when I'm not saying you scored your runs against bad teams, but I'm just saying there's no probably less easy runs to be had now in yeah. the split since the split than there was previously. There are always there are always sides, three or four sides maybe to, you know, at the bottom who 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 get the wrong pro or the pro goes home or they've lost you know they've they've lost players that were better and there are easier runs to to achieve you know. <clears throat> in the seasons before I do think now and you are quite right in saying that both Joes that I think it will be tougher now to do you know you'll have to get on a roll very quickly and it's going to be tough with a, with a standard as it is at the minute Yeah it is a good point you know because I would always think in, as Les has mentioned those players that are there the quality and you know they are capable all those players you've mentioned you know, with Ben getting that 170, you can see that there's some game because of you know watching the way the the international and counter games changed. That people do are are more aggressive. But great points, Joe Martin. Lesser games, and you're right. And I think the amateur bowlers, the, the, you know, certainly in the top league, you've got better depth in amateur bowlers than you used to have uh, when me and Blaise played. Um, you know, in those in, in those nineties. Um, well, I think that's a, a product of the rule changes, yeah. actually, by the fact that pros, you know, previously pros could bowl 25 overs or 23 overs when it was 46 over. Um, so, you know, a captain could literally put a pro on from one end. I think me and Joe have discussed it before, actually, on the podcast. Captain could put a pro on from one end and then they've only got another end to, to worry about. Um, so I think the depth is, is, has, to, has to improve otherwise. Um, you're going to really struggle. Yeah. Can I make one point, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. Joe Martin, is yeah. there any chance of getting grades to put 50p at meter? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just put the I'll just put the big lights on. Sorry. It looks it looks like it looks like daylight over in Devon, and in yours it looks like midnight. <laughs> well, it's just in case anything controversial so <laughs> Put the big light on, Joe. So that a, a fantastic uh, 15, 20 minute that blaze and, and it deserves every second of it of what you achieved in that season. Looking on slightly lighter notes around what's gone on in previous podcasts, we've got our, he's almost a resident guest now, Stan Eaton comes on. Uh, we have Stan's stories, he reads from the diary and, and there's going to be more of that to come, uh, listeners. But there was, it, it certainly wasn't criticising you, Chris, 
Um, but he was getting a few digs in about a certain innings where he, you know, in, in as many words said, you denied him his one and only century. You know, can you remember that game? I can, I can remember it very well. And I think Gary's, Gary's made the, the, the point all, all earlier that Stan's, Stan's infamous comment about there's nothing better than a really shit fast bowler. And we had one that day, and I don't want to mention his name because it's a bit, bit harsh, but Church had one, a young lad, uh, who, thought he, who thought he was uh, <clears throat> lightning, but he wasn't. And I, again, you, ca you can't see the scorebook to, to, to see exactly what I was on. You can only see the end of the tail that I got 30 not out and Stan were at 83 not out. I don't quite know where the, uh, where the likelihood of Stan getting 17 before I got my 33. You know, I could have been 10 not out, you know, when Stan got to needing 17, you know. So yeah. there's, a bit of, there's a bit of license there. But I do remember the the over that I, I won the game, I probably hit him for four fours in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and possibly possibly the first possibly the first four was the one that meant that Stan couldn't get the seventeen to actually win the game. And that's when I smirked at him. <laughs> and after that after, after that after that the after that the the chance of him getting 100 were slim anyway. I probably hit the next three for four and won the game and walked off. Uh, so, when maybe <laughs> listeners and maybe some of the, uh, the hosts on this programme thought Stan was gilding the lily a little bit with, uh, and he kept smirking at me through his left eye, it, you, you, you actually did give a little smirk. I did. I, I, think when I, hit the, I think when I hit the four to mean that he, you know, he, need, he needed, you know, 17 and they're only you know 14 to get yeah you know? and you know stan used to say he flailed them over point for six well <laughs> rarely is what i say to that <laughs> so chris that was 1994 uh, that year when uh, you denied one of our greatest ever batsmen is one and only century he then talks about you unfortunately being run out for a period of games after that. Can you remember what happened then? Yeah, I was, I was in the past, you know, I, I've had a recollection in my mind that I got out for five golden ducks in a row. And Stan was in, involved in, in three runouts in, in that period. But I've since, I've since looked at the scorecards and it's not true. It just must have felt like, like five golden ducks. The three runouts in a row are true. <laughs> there were three runouts. There were three runouts in a row. I think the first two were as, as you know, normal end of innings, sort of running hell for leather and, you know, trying to get in and not getting in and weren't a problem. But the one at Burnley, he sold me right under the bus. He, he, he hit one straight to somebody, called Guess, he set off. I had to respond because he was, you know, it was in my younger days. He, he was sort of like senior, senior pro. I got halfway down, keeper took bales off. And third time in a row I got run out. That time definitely sold down the river. I stood, stood and stared at him and threw my bat on floor. <laughs> he, said, 
which is never great. It's never great at Turf Moor, is it, to then have to pick your bat up and walk off, having got run out again by Stan. Brilliant. And it, you know, it's clear that Stan was responsible for all three, that's what you're saying. No, no, I don't yeah, think yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he was responsible for all three. That might be, uh, that might be taking it a touch too far. Right. Certainly we'll the last that, one. We'll cut that out. We'll cut that out, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> right, brilliant, that. Is there any questions um, around Blaise and the, and the running outs of Stan before we move on from you three? Well, I've been involved in numerous run outs with Blaise. All right, tell us some. Um, each time I've been run out. <laughs> um, there was one infamous one at Richton. My cricket helmet you were, at the time. You were, batting, you were batting with a German First World War helmet. <laughs> Yeah, the the nib at the spy. top of the helmet had a, a had a spike on it. So I, I set off. Bless called it. I set off running, and Bless run always runs down the wrong side of the wicket <laughs> and turned blind. And Stan always makes a point. How long has Bless played? And he always turns blind. So I set off, head down, running as fast as I can. Bless will test I'm not very fast. I'm probably the slowest in the team actually. And then suddenly there's an almighty crash as I run into Bless. Obviously, there's only one real winner. I'm run out. I've spiked Blaise in his stomach. Uh, and I've asked him if he needed a tetanus jab due to my rusted helmet. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, good lad. Good lad. Uh, anything, Joe and Gary? Charlie says you used oh, to run him out as well, didn't he? He used to have a dig at you for running Charlie out as well. Oh, uh, well. It, young lads. Young lads getting in at seven, eight and nine. It always ends up getting run out, don't they? I mean... One person who does who never complains about getting run out is Paddy, because Paddy Paddy always tells the tale of you know you know Paddy's a great cricketer and he's had first eleven fifties before, but he, he never had a league he never had a league fifty, no. and uh, I can't remember who we were playing. I can't remember who we were playing. Can you, Joel? Uh, I'll find out now. Playing down at Law House, <clears throat> yeah. and Paddy, we, we were batting first and. Uh, Paddy got to 47 with what I thought was two overs to go. So I'm at the non-striker's end. Paddy's at the striker's end for the penultimate over. Paddy misses the first five balls completely. Tries to hit him to the moon, misses him. Final ball of the over, two overs on the scoreboard. Final ball of the over... Paddy goes for another almighty swish at one and he gets an inside edge <clears throat> down to fine leg towards the old pavilion. Now, we're playing quite up, far up the top. We haven't got anybody stood there at fine leg. So, I'm thinking, Paddy, what's he doing? He's, he's, you know, we still need to get some runs here. He's missed the first five and he's inside edge one and he's, you know, he's got to 49. I'm not having it. We could have we could have run a three. Technically, we could have run a three to get his fifty. But I sort of took it a bit easy, got a two, and said, "Right, well, I'm going to have first three goals at the last over. Then I'll give Paddy the strike, and he'll get his one to get his fifty. So we get in. Paddy's looking a bit flustered. I don't know why. I meet him meet him halfway down the wicket. I said, "Don't worry, Paddy. I'll get you on strike." The next over. As I'm saying that, umpires have walked in from square leg, picked bales up, and walked off. Gainers, Gainers, not 
not got the overs right, and it was the last over. Paddy's finished 49 man out. Obviously, yeah. obviously, since then, he has got his first league 50. So, you know, I do feel a little bit better about it. You didn't run him out, Bless. Um, I didn't. That, right. It was against Accrington in yeah. uh, 2016. At that stage, Paddy was the, I think he was the third highest or had the third most appearances as a Law House player without scoring a 50. I mean, Pat wasn't that happy, but I found it terribly amusing. <laughs> I bet, I bet. So, Chris, you've done so well in getting the runs you've, you, you've got at playing for one club, which, I, you know, is a fantastic achievement. You know my thoughts about people playing for various clubs and flitting from one to the other. Throughout that time, when you're constantly getting five, six, seven hundred runs each year, Playing in a different side, but not necessarily winning maybe the trophies you deserve. Were you ever approached or, or, or offered to go and play at any other clubs um, during that period? I think I had a bit of a... Well, I did have an inquiry from, from Paddy about going pro in there for one season. You know, an inquiry, you know, saying, do you fancy, yeah. you fancy pro in? To which I said no. I wasn't... I was. I don't play. I didn't play cricket to make money. I didn't play cricket to get paid for it. I, I saw. I saw cricket as a, as a recreation. You know, from working, something to enjoy, something to, to socialise with 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 my, you know, close friends and you know whatever's and I di- I didn't. I never really wanted to be a pro. I, I didn't think I'd do particularly well at it either. So I never even, you know, give it a thought. I just said no straight away. And, you know, right. nothing, more, nothing more was said, really. Right. Any, I mean, there must have been amateur clubs. There must. I mean, I remember a time when Peter Sleep used to, to mither you to death about going playing for him. Yeah, they, they, always, they always threw down the little, the little comments when you were speaking to him in the bar at the end of the game. You know, have you ever thought of doing it? Have you ever fancied doing it? Come and play for us. And, you know... It was just shut down, you know, quickly. No, not interested really. There were no, there was nowhere else I would, I would go to. I would want to go. You know, I'm a, I'm fairly happy in my own little world in my own little community, and would didn't really want to move really. So I was quite happy, you know, where I was. Yeah. I'd love to have, I'd love to have played. You know, when these people were asking, I'd love to have won things and, you know, been involved in league with insides and, and cup insides when they were asking me. And we weren't sure whether we were ever going to do that. Thankfully, we did. And it's made it all the sweeter that that's, that happened at Law House. No, not, no, never really gave it much thought at all. Uh, that's interesting, that. Because you would imagine that there would people be... Uh... Clamouring for you, Dooch, is there anything, have you any observations around that? I was just going to ask you, because I know you, I mean, we discussed about you, not on the podcast, but separately, about you as well. Um, I just wondered if you'd tell us about your approaches. Yeah, we, I do remember quite vividly, Peter Sleep used to get into Blazers ribs and we were having a pint after one game and he would be chatting away to us and it was like almost an afterthought. You know, Blaz, have you thought about it this year? Come down <laughs> and play for us and uh, you can bring your mate Jez with you if you want. <laughs> that was as close as it ever got in Lancashire League. There was um, Stand, I think for the first or second year I got 50 wickets. Stand came in um, and was, were told, they, apparently they came to watch me and thought they were going to offer me some money to go as a, 
you know, a, a paid amateur type of thing, which was a real honour. And I remember thinking, crack, I wonder what's going to happen there. They spoke to me afterwards. Um, I didn't, what, you know, what should I do? Like, Blaise, I want to play there. But the decision was made for me because they never rang me back. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that was it, really. And, 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 you know, again, this, you know, in the current cricket um, arena, there is a lot of to and fro and swapping around, but it wasn't the same when, when me and Blaise were in our early 20s of swapping clubs around. That's all. That's oh, I didn't. I didn't get any offers, Joe. No, no. I was just going to ask, Gaz. I was just. Go- Thanks for asking. Thanks for I asking. Just it, I just had your name written down next on my piece of paper. <laughs> I got. I got plenty of suggestions, but no offers. <laughs> we established the other week, Chris. We poached uh, Gary from Burnley. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, listen to that. I can remember. I can remember Gary because I obviously I played. I played cricket against Chris more than I did Gary because Chris, 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 my age. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're a year older than me, aren't you, G? Yeah, yeah. So I played more cricket against Chris when we were at school because that's only when you played <laughs> played each other. So, and I can remember Gary playing at Lucas because you know, with the uh, sort of like connections we had with with the players who played at Lucas. I can remember Gary playing and and. Was pleased when he came down to us at the uh, at Law Ice, you know, after his after his time at uh, the Ribblesdale League as well. So yeah. So we'll move on from uh, from the approaches from from various other clubs. Chris, you've played, you know, we, we've we've established here. You've you've played for thirty seven seasons, and this, um, you know, it, it, I don't think anyone could count the amount of pros that you've actually played with and against. Is there is there any pros? First of all, maybe that that you played with that have left left a lasting impression on you, and also played against. What what's your stories around the professionals? You don't need to say like, you know, about Ryan and Maka. You know, they were fantastic, fantastic players, fantastic people. Maka had a great cricket brain right from you know the day that he walked into the dressing room. Ryan, as as Joe, was. Rightly said, when he wrote out that, Ryan made you feel a thousand dollars every time you stepped over the line. You know, we just you, you didn't need to take a backward step when you had Ryan in your side, which was always something that we never really had. You know, we didn't have that sort of uh, attitude. But when you, when you had Ryan on your side, you had that attitude straight away. You know, it was almost easy just to follow. So you know, those go without saying. Francois, fantastic uh, club pro, brilliant lad, great moaner, and you know, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant for the club. You know, you can't you can't miss out somebody like that. Also, when you look at your pros, but probably the 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 pro that did most for me and my my batting was Martin Van Yarsveld, just because he talked to me about preparation for batting and, and preparation for batting during the game and preparation for batting during the week. And, you know, I think things have moved on massively in cricket coaching since about that Yarra sort of era. I think, you know, before that, cricket coaching was, even, even perhaps at the international level, was only in its infancy. You know, you, you listen to... You know some of these 
stories of these pros on, on lockdown videos and they were saying, you know, you only had a team, you know, Mike Allison saying you only had a team manager and a physio and, you know, when he first started and how it built up during the 90s, you know, to having, you know, big coaching uh, staffs and how people were training the brain to do various things as well as technique. You know, we never had the facilities there at Law House to actually do any focus practice. But Martin came in in 1999 and he, he sort of, he, he, took, he took the practice wickets out of, out of the question. He, he just wanted throwdowns. He was the first person who did proper, proper throwdowns other than my dad doing it from when I was, you know, old enough to hold a bat. We'd go out on the field if it was, if it was wet, if it was dry, it wouldn't matter. He didn't want to have a, a full net. He just wanted somebody to throw him 100 balls and him <coughs> play the shots and him play the shots that he was he had in his mind for the next game. He talked to you about who their pro was. He talked to you about who their bowlers were. And he'd just get me to throw down what they, would, what they were bowling at him. If it was a spinner, off spinner, he'd want me to bowl that. If it was a left-arm spinner, he'd want me to try and somehow turn it away from him. And he, he, he practised the shots he was going to play during the week before the game. And, it, you know, he talked about how, how you're going to get runs against certain people, where, where you're going to pick singles up. And it, he was the first sort of pro who actually talked to me about thinking about the game rather than just doing what we'd done, which was play yourself into form. Yeah, I mean, it was, Chris, I do remember the... The times where you would almost, you know, take over a, a, a you know game on the Thursday night practice, and he would talk yeah. to us about how we're going to do this and and how he's going to bowl. And you look at his stats as fantastic. But he did he do that individually with you, or did he do that with other players with lesser ability? I think I think he did it with me more than anybody else because perhaps he knew that I a I wanted to learn and wanted to. Talk to him about it, and could give him feed, you know feedback that he trusted about other teams as well as yeah. what what he was doing. I couldn't. I, I would. I would say personally, he did it more with me than anybody else. Whether he did it with others on a on a particular regular basis, I, I wouldn't really know. I, I probably would say no. I probably say it was more me he did it with, and not exclusively me, but. 90% with me, I would suggest. Yeah, we finished fourth in that first season. I mean, and I, I remember going back, Gary, you played, you know, you played quite a bit in there. Yarra got over 1,200 runs that season. Blaise, you over 700 runs and, and Nicky had over 400 runs. Um, and yet we finished fourth. Can you remember much about that, Gary? You, you only played a handful of games, but can you remember much about that season? Um, not a lot, really. Like, say a handful of games, but I think you know I used to. I, I did net regular and and, and the yeah. like. And yeah, what Blaise said was it was really different to see. It was unusual because it's not what we'd, you'd expect a, a professional to come in and, and do sort of thing. Well, not what we we had professionals who did. So that was unusual. Yeah, he, he sort of turned the net round and instead of bowling, you know, he was hitting into the net, wasn't he? He was, he was driving. Yeah. He was met, yeah. It was metronomic. Yeah. You know, and he would do it and do it and practice those drills and just obviously get the feel and get get mentally and muscle memory, um, you know, everything right. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he was. He was, um, you know, as his stats show there, and then going on to play Enfield and and doing as his, as well as he did at uh, Enfield. What about pros you played against, Chris? What you know, is, tell us a few stories about some of those. You know, you you probably remember your good your good games against against the you know the real top names. You know, the two fifties against Alan Donald were were something I treasure. You know. I really, you know, it was it was fantastic pitting your wits against somebody, you know, who was still in his pomp at that stage, you know, that was well known throughout the world as one of the best fast bowlers, and you got you got a the chance to play against him, and b getting two fifties against him was was, you know, something I'm really proud of. Yeah. I know Nicky's not quite quite so proud of getting out to John Seidel against him, but yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, like I talked, I talked a little bit to Joe Dooch about it about you know, good spinners. You know, sort of pro- probably not the world-renowned spinners. I can remember playing in in my early years, Murray Bennett at, at Ramsbottom, who was like a sort of left-arm <laughs> spinner for Australia. He played a few played a few uh, Test matches in the nineteen eighty-five series. He was didn't look much like a cricketer. I'd sort of like dark sunglasses almost every. Every time he bowled, but he was a fantastic spinner, and he got me out cheaply twice. And but I just thought, what a what a mastery of the art that he had as a yeah. down Playing against Shane Warne, getting seventy in the getting seventy in the in a team playing Shane Warne, you know, probably only got four or five off him, uh, but intentionally, but you know, got <laughs> seventy against playing him. That was one of Gary's dad's greatest ever. Uh, Chances he came off, and you know, like my school report, you tried hard, failed miserably. <laughs> and he just went after him, which was which was funny. Uh, you know, all the all the big names. Disappointed that we never played against Viv Richards. Remember, uh, remember the game at Lawrence being completely torrentially rained off and yes. by the time we played them towards the back end of the season he'd gone home so disappointed never played against him didn't play against Steve Ward twice I missed him because of university he came back and we played Nelson twice so missed him generally all, I'm sure all the you know the best pros best pros around you know were, were fantastic didn't like much getting battered by batters. Yeah. Ben Higgins, Cone, and Ben Johnson at Cone, and Greg Mayle at Church. Some of their, some yeah. of the times they battered us. That hundred and whatever, who is it got? Hundred and fifty or whatever he got Higgs at in that semi final. That was that was particularly painful. Yeah, yeah, and then the Bevan one at. Uh, oh at, yeah, yeah. Oh, he got uh, uh, got a lot of runs. Can you, remember, can, you remember, can you remember the Bevan one, Jez? Because we had Cameron that year, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And uh, staunchly sort of parochial, weren't we? We didn't really like other sides, did we? You know, there was better sides we got on with a little bit better. and We never mixed with them before a game or, or not. And Cameron and uh, Michael Bevan were warming each other up. Yeah. Bowling at each other. <laughs> we're just looking at, what are they doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What is going can you remember, I don't know if we'll get this story right, Chris. Um, and again, Stan would probably be better off telling it than than, than I would. At Ron Stoll away when Bevan got the hundred and... Yeah. 
60 odd till yeah. I, you know, bless his soul, dropped him on about seven yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, and I am, um, I was captain. It's on an absolute flat track at Rottenstall. Yeah. A short boundary as well. Ryan Esther's playing, and he, if I remember right, I haven't got the scorecard up. And Ryan's bowling okay, but I'm just trying to change things around. Bevan is just smashing us everywhere. And um, Stan came up to me with about 10 overs to spare and said, Jess, listen, because Stan was one of these players, when things were going tough, it wouldn't help you. It'd hide. You know, he's one of your senior players. I'm running up my own backside. I don't know whether I'm to bowl, whether I should bowl or I shouldn't bowl. Should I bring my brother on? Should I carry on? I'm getting smashed all over. Right, it's better me getting smashed than anyone else because he will smash everyone. And Stan came up to me, Jez, Jez, um, do you mind me giving you a bit of advice? And I'm steam coming out of my ears. I said, <laughs> what, Stan? What do you want? Well, I said, you've said nothing all the game. Why are you all of a sudden decide you want to ask, give us some advice now? There's only 12 hours to go. And I'm proper grumpy. He said, uh, why don't you try a bit of off-spin, get blessed of all off-spin at him. Fuck <laughs> off, down there, and go. <laughs> Fantastic. You, you, we nearly that, that. That, you remember that day was, you know, like, I know Stanley mentioned it in the last podcast about that being the record score, weren't it? 319. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, Gary bollocking uh, young Stanley for... For saying that Nelson didn't beat that, didn't clinch that score. But we were in, we were in with a chance of winning that game. We were. We got we got two hundred and sixty. Cameron got hundred. I got seventy. And so you know we were in with a chance of winning the game. We were on we were on two hundred and fifty. I think for two. Me and Cameron batting three and four, and we were we were in with a chance of winning the game. Then Cameron got out, and that. Because it had gone for 300 and we'd be fetching the ball and we got 200. It started getting dark. It was about 8 o'clock at this time. We'd have to find right. that many balls. And it got pitch black. And we couldn't... We, could, we, you know, we still had about six or seven overs left. And we needed we needed 60. And it, you didn't get 60 off six overs in them days. But, you know, we still had a chance of winning. And it, it got pitch black. I, I got out. I skied one to deep midweek and got caught off Kez and then I can remember Ryan batting and he couldn't see so yeah. somebody were bowling at Ryan he just couldn't see him yeah. just we just you know we ended up only 270 something like that but it was uh, it was what it was one of the highest aggregates ever obviously they won the the 319 which was the highest score and we got 270 yeah it was can you remember why their our innings went on and on and on and again I've got a gloomy stat Bob Hall, no. he was fielding at the time, and then ended up all field at third man at the other end. Send more house to save the house.